Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this podcast. As I say quite often, there are over 2.3 million podcasts that you could be listening, but here we are again. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about the ecosystem development, and we're going to look at the secret sauce of Austin, Texas, the city where I live. And we are joined by my friend, Jason Scharf. Now, Jason actually was on the show once before when he lived in San Diego, and I did the first of what was a series of interviews around the San Diego Angel Network and their conference. And Jason joined us. We kicked that off. I then interviewed six of the finalists from that in 2021. And in the meantime, one day I was looking on LinkedIn and it said Jason Scharf, and I thought, oh, I haven't talked to him in a while. Poof. It said his hometown was Austin, Texas. So I called him up. I'm like, what? When did you move to Austin? And uh, so now we are friends, both from the virtual world of when I interviewed him a year and a half ago, and he's now my neighbor. So Jason, welcome back to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thanks a lot, Tom. So, you know, you and your dad both moved here and you got a job working. You're an executive in a life sciences business, but you and your dad do a lot of early stage investing. And unlike a lot of people who move to a new city, you both jumped in and you decided you were going to make the connections with the people who were making things happen and you were going to unpeel the onion, if you will, about what made Austin special so that you could be part of that community and also contribute to it. So let's talk a little bit about what caused the move and why did you dive in so heavily into the deep end? What caused the move, we'll step back and say that Austin has been on, you know, my wife and I's list for many, many years. I say between the two of us, this is the fourth time we had thought about it for my wife. UT was her second choice for undergrad, her second choice for grad school. And then actually we uh, almost took the dive at, you know, late 11, early 12. So it was always there in the back of our minds. We wanted to, uh, you know, we wanted to come, but it was always that kind of Someone has to find a job. The other one has to quit. All that kind of the, the pre-pandemic thoughts about migration. Pandemic hit. And I'll say for me, it kind of came down into two big buckets, right? Bucket one, which at this point, I don't think I have to list out, but all of the reasons that somebody leaves California for Texas. <laughs> There's, that is a long list. Yeah, it is. It is a long list. Uh, yes, I used to list it out, but now people kind of know the bucket. The second reason is, you know, I love San Diego. I'm still very involved there through a number of different organizations. Um, and it's been a, it's a B plus ecosystem and has been for a long time. I think what attracted me in the end to Austin was to be part of something that is now also kind of a B plus, you know, knocking on the door, a ecosystem, but it's kind of really become that over the last 10 years, accelerated over the last five and just been absolutely on fire for the last two. So when our companies at the time were both uh, open to remote work we decided to um, take the plunge. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, my parents also lived uh, in San Diego. We said, why don't you come with us? So that was kind of a, a great jump there. So that was kind of the, uh, the big reason to kind of do, to make that jump. And then I think for something as disruptive as moving during a pandemic, we came at the end of 2020. We wanted to be part. Like we weren't going to just say we're going to move here and take advantage of the you know better tax situation, but 
we came here for the ecosystem. So the only way that that meant to be is to be part of the ecosystem. Well, and one of the things that you did is you and your dad launched a podcast. Jason is a podcast host of a show called Next Austin. And I love that because the the reality is, and I've been super involved in the Austin and the Austin tech community for now over 30 years. And Austin has often been compared to, oh, it's going to be the next Silicon Valley. But the truth of that is, is Austin was never going to be the next Silicon Valley. Austin was going to be the next Austin. It was going to grow into that A-level city, that A-level ecosystem on its own and have its own culture. And now it's sort of coming into that unto itself. Um, And I love the fact that you came here and that's what you guys started doing with your podcast, right? You started saying, hey, what is next for Austin? Where are we today? And you really started interviewing some real key players in the community who have seen things over the past 20 or 30 years. I was one of the guests on the show. I'll add that in. Uh, but you've really done a really good job of, of not just focusing on sort of the fluffy, you know, outward thing, but you've gotten to the underbelly in a lot of the interviews that you've done. Why did you decide right when you got here that we're going to start exploring this through a podcast? So, Personally, I've been involved in a couple of different podcasts in terms of kind of the, the short spurts. So, you know, in business school, we tried to launch one, got a couple episodes out uh, at my previous employer, Illumina, had an internally facing commercial podcast. So that was kind of uh, fun. And so it was always kind of there. And it was funny because um, during the storm last year, where at the point at the time, uh, you know, my parents were living in an apartment near us, only about a mile and a half away. And they had power. We didn't. So um, we ended up having to walk that mile and a half with three kids under 10 um, in the snow. And so there were seven of us in a two bedroom apartment. And so we'd only been here for, what, two months at that point, which was an interesting welcome to uh, welcome to Texas. Yeah, because we hadn't had a freeze like that in 30 years. You came right in time to get into a seven day uh, snow cop snow apocalypse. The kids, lo- the kids loved it. They thought it was all snow because we're not used to having that, obviously, in San Diego. But there was this kind of, you know, we had lots of time to talk. And there was this kind of moment of what's the what's the way that we can understand the ecosystem and become a part of it right quickly. Right. So obviously, a lot of it was a way to have people know about us and us learn about, about others. And I think the key difference for us was not to do the cool company of the week structure. Now, there's nothing against that structure. If you look at like Guy Raz's uh, How I Built This, that's the pinnacle of that type of structure. Um, But to actually ask kind of those narrative and meta-narrative questions about sectors, about really what's driving into it, what is the secret sauce and what's coming next. And so that was interesting. And of course, what of course becoming is we tend to start with a topic and then work our way down to the guest which of course makes it a lot harder when trying to figure out uh, who it is we want to talk to and how we go about doing this. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great and it's going strong. We're, you know, we're rapidly approaching 30 and meeting all sorts of interesting people. Nice. Well, I definitely think that uh, you guys have done a really good job of, of getting to know people. I run into you at kind of all the key things around town and stuff like that. And you guys are also, you and your dad are both also early stage investors. How do you think uh, the early stage company world in Austin is going right now? And how does that contribute to this ecosystem development and, and the secret sauce? It's been going fast, right? Like that's one of the big things is that I remember. So in my case, I'm, uh, I focused on life science companies. And when we decided to move to Austin, my thought at the time was this is a good move because it's still nascent here, right? It's not, um, it's not Silicon Valley. It's not Boston. I'm not going to be one of a hundred thousand different people. 
And it gives me a chance to know all the players and kind of get uh, and understand what's going on. The funny part was in the year that I was first here, you had multiple unicorns uh, being birthed. You had multiple, you know, 30, $50 million raises. You had hundred, you know, multi hundred million dollar funds that were put together. I'm like, okay, this wasn't a uh, nascent. This was a secret and the secret's out now. <laughs> and so that's something that's been exciting. And what's really been cool is just, it's not just, you know, I've been focused on life science, but you name the sector and it's exploding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many positive things happening around Austin inside and outside the tech world. Uh, there's just so much entrepreneurship that's happening here that it is it is a cornucopia of great things lying ahead, I think, for the next few years. So you have said that you have discovered through your year and a half of uncovering the the people, places, companies, and the vibe of Austin, you've discovered six superpowers that our region has. And that really is kind of an example for other regions who are looking at up and coming and, and going beyond where they are right now is a great way of looking at what is Austin doing that's really taking them to the next level. And so three of those superpowers are who we are as a community, as an, uh, a, a region, and what we do as a community and a region. So let's look first at who we are. What do you think, uh, Austin? Who is Austin? Uh, who are we? And why is this a lesson for other areas? So one of the things is I think there are, to your point, there are lessons for other areas to take, and maybe some of these are copyable. And some of them are find out your own superpowers. Find out the things that are unique to you that are, that are not copyable by other places. So I think the first thing is we really have a culture of helping which leads to open networks and collaboration. So you're talking about peeling back the onion. What is amazing, and I think people outside of Austin will understand this, but not necessarily people in Austin, is 80% of the time that somebody said, oh, I'll introduce you to so-and-so, they actually did it. <laughs> that's not necessarily a, something that happens that often. Well, so that's, that's one of the things we talked about on my interview on your podcast was Austin has yeah. really always had, you call it a culture of, of helping. I call it sort of a, an open culture of networking that people are willing to hear you out. If somebody gives you that warm introduction, people are like, sure, I'll talk to Jason. And not every place is that the thing. There's, in some places, that warm introduction is a currency unto itself that people hold back and they don't they don't want to make that introduction because if they introduce Jason to Becky, then they can't introduce anything else to Becky because they've played the Becky chip. And in Austin, people are like, you know, if you've got a good person that I should meet and then you have another one three weeks later, as long as the last one was on par, I'll talk to you again. And it's not it's not so much the horse trading, I think, that exists in other places. There was a quote from Jim Breyer, who is uh, Briar Capital sits on the board of Facebook, Blackstone, a lot of other, you know, major companies who also moved here recently. He was at, uh, so South by was obviously just a couple of weeks ago and he was uh, doing an interview panel with Michael Dell. And the quote that he said that really resonated with me is you can play nice and win in Austin, which is different than other ecosystems. Wow. That is, I think that is very true. And one of the things I teach for people who've heard me ever speak or go into companies and do stuff is I talk about community and collaboration and much of what I speak about is what I've learned from being part of this ecosystem for the past 30 years. Community and collaboration are seriously embraced in Austin, I think. So the next one really is we're part of the Texas Triangle, and that's turning into a super region ecosystem. Now, coming from California, there was talk about the Southern California ecosystem from Santa Barbara to the border. I'm going to fill you in on a secret that doesn't exist as a single ecosystem. 
Um, I mean, I have contacts and personal networks in LA and Silicon Valley, but there really isn't that interconnectedness between LA, the Bay and San Diego. When I first announced I was here in Austin and, you know, and you, you realized I was here, I just said, Hey, I want to meet people that are here in Austin. And without trying, I suddenly had a network in Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. And it's not just kind of me as the individual. I mean, it's starting to be leaned in from a company perspective. So there's a company called Colossal Biosciences, which if you may have heard of them, they're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth and they're leaning into that. So they have software development for gene editing technology here in Austin, but then they put up, you know, hardware and wetware up in Dallas. So understanding that we're all in this and it's not that far and there is that interconnectedness that you can put these kind of pieces and hubs within the triangle. Yeah, I definitely agree that I think there's a different vibe in Texas than in some other states. I think that Texans, you know, they kind of call it a swagger or whatever, but uh, Texans have a thing about being Texans. Now, that that's challenged a little bit because so many of you pesky Californians and and New Yorkers have moved here. Now, of course, I say that I moved from I'm a native of Los Angeles. So uh, and I went to college in San Diego. So I uh, and I lived in the Bay Area. So, you know, except I made the move 30 years ago when people said, where is Austin? What state is that in? And, uh, you know, now people think I'm like a visionary that I picked it out of something instead of just sort of falling into it. But the reality is, is that there is sort of Texans have an unnatural love affair with Texas and therefore the cities do play well together compared to, you know, uh, NoCal and SoCal really do have sort of this division of, of not a natural first step of love. And the there is a healthy competition amongst the, amongst the cities as well, but there does seem to be this, you know, we want to work together. Sure. So what's the third, what's the third superpower in your, who we are? So one of the big things that I think that we do is that we punch above our weight. So from a narrative perspective, if you look at the data, we tend to be in the six to 10 range in terms of, you know, whatever data you want to do, fundraising and so forth. But if you ask anybody, we're always, you know, number five, right? Just right after the big ones. And I think a lot of that has to do with, for lack of a better term, we're cool. You have South by Southwest, you have ACL, you have F1, you have CPGs that are here in Austin that are basically exporting our culture because Austin's part of their brand. You have Texas football, you've got the food scene. I've heard we're one of the big hubs for bachelor bachelorette parties. Uh, I didn't come here, you know, when I got married 10 years ago. But when I think about it, people experience Austin for the first, second or third time through these different events and products, and it leaves a positive vibe. So when they want to talk about it, it kind of, it's always sitting there in the back of their mind. Yeah, no, I, I think that Austin has always had kind of that cool, that cool vibe. You know, we used to say, keep Austin weird. And then Portland decided they were going to create a motto of keep Portland weird. And it's funny when you meet people from Portland, they'll say, no, we had it first. And then you actually look it up. There's people who've written about this and everybody agrees that Portland just sort of took it. However, I think if you fast forward to 2022, Portland kind of has that moniker. Portland is still weird and Austin has a Starbucks on every corner. However, we have forfeited a little bit of our weirdness and taken in uh, without letting go of sort of that cool vibe of sort of when you come to the town, you get sort of that, that feeling that, yeah, there's stuff happening here. This is a cool place to be. Absolutely. So those are kind of on the who we are side of the equation, right? And so now it really gets into, okay, so what are we doing? Um, and I think the first one is we build. So we have a manufacturing base that builds high-end, amazing products. We've got electric cars. We've got rockets. We've got semiconductors. We've got 3D printed houses. There are companies that are born here that are being those kind of builders. People that are coming here. 
but it extends beyond just the startups and the companies. I mean, I think a great example is the Google Tower in downtown that's being built that has this really fantastic kind of sail shape that's interesting and that really kind of catches the eye. And nobody told them, we need you to build a new thing as part of the, you know, the sky, uh, the skyline and an iconic piece. They just said, we, again, we need to be cool. We need to attract these things. So we're going to create something unique. And so they went ahead and did that. And I think the, the last thing on we build that, you know, we talk a bit, there's a bit of, you know, housing prices are going up. There's some affordability issues, but just to give you a sense, the permits in 2021 for new housing units, Austin had 46,000 units approved last year, half of them single family homes with a population of a little over 2 million. For context, the New York City Metro, which has 10 times the population, only 51,000 new units. Of course, they're a little bit more landlocked than we are in Austin. We, we, we can go out. Well, so, and that's a good point. It, it, one is there are only a quarter single family homes, right? And this is obviously the full metro, but that is something is we have the space to breathe and we are becoming a region of not just Austin city, but the metro itself is becoming a key part. Sure. So you've got two more superpowers. So the next one is we leverage the power of and. So if you think of any of these major um, ecosystems, they don't just have one thing. It's not a single company town. It's not a single university that's kind of driving it. And so I see the and coming in two ways. One, our sector diversity is just unbelievable. We have space, life science, CPG, consumer internet, hardware, chips, new things every day. I just saw, heard about a fashion incubator that was coming here. So one you have across the board that helps us from a perspective of new unicorns, new possible great companies, and then also protects us from any sort of like recessionary environment that a single sector is going to have. And that also then comes from a convergence perspective, right? You start having these interesting ideas collide together and creating interesting new opportunities as well. So I think that's one of the areas that we're going to be really, um, you know, really strong with as well. Well, and I love that whole idea of, of leveraging the power of and because it goes back to what I said before about, you know, my my sort of fascination with the idea of community and collaboration. When when you can collaborate with people and when you can say, that's great that that's over here, I've got this over here, what can we do together? And sometimes it's a product or a service that they're able to offer. And sometimes it's just when you look at who sponsors some of the civic things in town, you know, it's not just all tech companies. It's not all healthcare. It's not all this. You have really kind of a hodgepodge of people or of organizations who are really supporting how to uplift the overall community here. And so that collaboration of coming together to support the right things really supports that idea of, of that power of and. So I love that. Yeah. And it also, I think a, a key part of it is that you have idea flows. You have the ability to say, Hey, I'll tell you this 10 years ago, the idea of e-commerce in, in life science was didn't exist. And Austin is a great opportunity and great place that you're seeing that being applied because what have we had previously? You're saying, that's a wonderful idea. What if I tried it in a new context? Well, it just idea flow, talent flow. So I think it's really this, this and creates all sorts of interesting opportunities. Nice. And so what's your last, what's your last superpower that you see with Austin? So the last superpower is we're living in the future, right? So we're by creating the future, we're developing it we're testing it here first. You have multiple autonomous vehicle projects that are being done here. People building personal flying drones, you have blockchain NFT companies, you have 3D printed housing. And I think kind of this is where some of the things start overlapping. You know, South by Southwest is that opportunity that we showcase. You come here to see what's the future, right? And so I think when you see that, that you get that kind of 
we can, it's both inspiring because you're like, well, I want to create the future. I want to be part of that. It creates that magnet of people wanting to come and either invest or live. And so it really does create that narrative. Because I think that's all of these things lift up into the Austin narrative that creates a innovation powerhouse. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I get excited just thinking about it. Because like I said, I've been here 31 years and I always say that I got here before everything started to boom. Uh, but it was just a few years when Austin sort of turned the corner in the early early 90s and started to, you know, sort of gain that momentum that they've never taken the foot off the gas. And I always say I grew up with the Austin business and the Austin tech community. And so it's kind of exciting to have been able to see it from the infancy stages of 30 years ago through where it is. I mean, you've only had your lens on us for the last couple of years, but it's been really exciting to see how we've done it over the past 30 years. So I've got a couple of more questions for you about how we can take these lessons and take them out to others. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment and training so that you can sound amazing. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And when I started the show, I didn't read the first commercial. So you're getting two, two right here in the middle. Because this episode is also brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading executive global search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. Now, if your company is looking to add or grow your senior leadership team, Stanton Chase International needs to be on the list of those global executive search firms that you talk to because you want to make sure that you're finding the right person for the right role. And if you're looking for that, give me a call because I work with Stanton Chase International and I'll tell you what, I can put you in touch with the right person, the best person in your industry who will help you find that person who's going to make your company thrive. All right. So Jason, back to this whole idea of the ecosystem development and Austin's secret sauce. So for companies and businesses, what can they learn from what Austin has done over the past 30 years? I think it's interesting when we get to kind of the, the, who we are, right. We talked about the network, the open culture, that, that the power of that is probably powerful at an ecosystem level, at a company level, at a team level, the wanting to do that kind of collaboration. And it's a real kind of collaboration, right? I want to introduce you to this person. I want to be able to, um, you know, talk to this, that person really is powerful, especially when it's, I don't get anything out of it. If it's just, paying it forward. It's just being open and, and introducing people. I think the other thing is, and I think this is really meaningful now going forward. I think that the convergence of technologies is really one of those things that's going to spur things going forward. And so looking at outside, look, I hear this, I hear this all the time when, you know, I've been in healthcare my entire career, healthcare special, it's unique. We can't get anything from anybody else. And if you think about it, there are a hundred attributes of any particular industry. And yes, the mixture of those hundred attributes is probably unique, but am I going to think of different types of elements that are similar to others? So this was something that was pointed out to me a number of years ago. When you think about um, early stage therapeutics, okay, it's a very highly technically risky and with binary risk. It either is going to work or isn't going to work, right? You might say, okay, so nothing else like that. So I made a great point. This is something very close to, you know, Texans. I would think that oil and gas exploration, very similar when you're thinking about it from a risk perspective. 
highly technical, <laughs> binary risk, either I found it or I didn't. So when thinking about how doing risk modeling, as an example, we might learn from other, from other um, industries as well. And I think that's the thing is you want to be, that and becomes powerful. I want to be more than one thing. I want to bring in a lot of uh, other opportunities that can then mix and match and create those collisions. And I think that works at an ecosystem level, that works at a company level, that works at a team level. So as an early stage investor, when you look at companies, what are some things that put up red flags for you versus things that you say, yeah, I totally want to invest in that? And does it tie into any of what you just talked about? So starting on the what I like to invest in, my personal thesis is at the tech bio convergence. So I like things, I'm not a PhD. So if you're going to come with me to a straight therapeutic, here's a new, you know, uh, biochemical pathway that we, uh, we looked at. I don't have the technical background to be able to say, yeah, this looks like it's going to work or not. Now, if you're going to come to me with an AI platform, that's going to make new drugs, that's something that's interesting, right? And I can see that more and more. And I actually think, again, as we talked about, I think that's Austin's sweet spot is how do we take technology, AI, wearables, 3D printing, and bring that to biology. And so those are the things that really get me interested. And I think I have a, a real big opportunity. I think for the yellow to red flags tends to be around the coachability of the executive team and the ability to, because from my perspective, another, uh, you know, I want to be quote unquote smart money. I want to do more than just bring a check. I want to be able to bring experience, bring guidance, bring coaching. And you can only do that if it's a partnership between you and the entrepreneur. And there are some who say like, I know everything I, I'm going to do this. And sometimes maybe you do want to back those, but usually they need to have a significant track record to be able to do that. But I think that's one of the things is just being able to have good conversations, taking into, you know, what they're going to learn. All right. So as we wrap this up, your podcast is called next Austin. So what are your predictions? What's next Austin? More. And I'm stealing this from some other people. I think we have, we had a, an amazing flywheel effect. People, capital and companies have been moving here because people, capital and companies are moving here. And I think that we've ascended to the next level. And this was something at South by, it was a, a great conversation between you know, Mayor Adler and the Mayor Suarez from Miami. So I'm stealing uh, Mayor Suarez's line. Uh, it's turning into something called Flymo. So it's the flywheel plus fear of missing out. We're creating a gravitational pull now that people are like, oh, if I want to be a semiconductor, we had the big Samsung plant announced here. And then the few weeks after Micron was talking about being here, you had all of these other ones. So we are starting to be the place to be. And I think that we're going to be something unique. I mean, I think the biggest part of our and when I look at where our potential is, I think we are the possibility to be Silicon Valley and Detroit at their peak. And that combination hasn't happened before. Interesting. Interesting. So how do we do that and keep that third superpower of staying cool? What I like about the coolness factor is that those have been things that have been around forever. As I said, it's ACL, it's South by, and you have continuous things building up. Just last week, I heard that, you know, at uh, Coda, they're building an amusement park. So keeping that in mind, keeping those festivals, those unique things about us going, you know, we want to see the food scene keep going, want to see the, um, you know, the film scene keep going. And so being able to do things like, you know, build as many houses as we possibly can so that we can deal with it. Coming from California, 
I understand the affordability that's happening. I kind of joke, you haven't seen affordability crisis yet. (laughs) Um, And I think we can build our way out of this, but, you know, being able to have it be a strong middle class that can do all of these different things, I think is going to be a key thing going forward that we can keep it going and stay cool. Well, I'll just add, having lived here 31 years, I always talk that our greater population in the metropolitan area was about 700,000 people when I moved here. Fast forward 31 years, it's now what, 2.3 million or somewhere in that area. And we've we've built one road. So uh, in addition to building houses, we probably should put a little bit of effort into our infrastructure, but that's just my two cents. I, I would agree with that. You, you you haven't experienced the real traffic because you moved here during the pandemic and it has not come back yet. So uh, you, you you don't know what it's like to go from Circle C to downtown in 90 minutes instead of 14. So, uh, yeah, it can be a, it can be a, a slow trek out of some of the outskirting areas. So and I can only imagine. <laughs> so, Jason, as we wrap this up, any final words for people who listen to this? One keep coming to Austin. I think it's a, it's an amazing city. I think if you are building an ecosystem, you know, look hard about what's unique about, about you. Don't try to be the next Silicon Valley or the next Austin, be the first North, you know, research triangle, be the first Nashville, be the first Atlanta. Nice. And then, yeah, just, I think we got to keep going. Nice. Uh, if somebody wants to find you, how do they find Jason Scharf? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. We the our podcast is at austinnextpodcast.com. You know, and uh, yeah, find me anywhere around town. I'm trying to be as, uh, around as much as I can be. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for being a guest here on Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do the show? Seven and a half years, over 700, and I don't know, 10 or 12 episodes and we're still going strong. We're not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, We are relaunching doing some episodes in combination with the Austin Technology Council. So once a month, we're going to be doing uh, interviews with their members like we did before the pandemic. And so that'll be coming up very soon. And uh, just keep coming back. Tell your friends about making waves at sea level and uh, go out there, flex your business muscles, Make sure your career ladder is in the right place because climbing your career ladder to find out you reached the top in the wrong spot, that kind of sucks. And then while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.